chapter fifteen part one of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fifteen part one there is a festival where knights and dames and aught that wealth or lofty lineage claims appear tis he how came he thence what doth he here laura there are two charming situations in life for a woman one the first freshness of heiress ship and beauty the other youthful widowhood with a large jointure it was at least lucy's fortune to enjoy the first no sooner was she fairly launched into the gay world than she became the object of universal idolatry crowds followed her wherever she moved nothing was talked of or dreamed of toasted or betted on but lucy brandon even her simplicity and utter ignorance of the arts of fine life enhanced the eclat of her reputation somehow or other young people of the gentler sex are rarely ill-bred even in their eccentricities and there is often a great deal of grace in inexperience her uncle who accompanied her everywhere himself no slight magnet of attraction viewed her success with a complacent triumph which he suffered no one but her father or herself to detect to the smooth coolness of his manner nothing would have seemed more foreign than pride at the notice gained by a beauty or exultation at any favour won from the caprices of fashion as for the good old squire one would have imagined him far more the invalid than his brother he was scarcely ever seen for though he went everywhere he was one of those persons who sink into a corner the moment they enter a room whoever discovered him in his retreat held out their hands and exclaimed god bless me you here we have not seen you for this age now and then if in a very dark niche of the room a card-table had been placed the worthy gentleman toiled through an obscure rubber but more frequently he sat with his hands clasped and his mouth open counting the number of candles in the room or calculating when that stupid music would be over lord malevere though a polished and courteous man whose great object was necessarily to ingratiate himself with the father of his intended bride had a horror of being bored which surpassed all other feelings in his mind he could not therefore persuade himself to submit to the melancholy duty of listening to the squire's linked speeches long drawn out he always glided by the honest man's station seemingly in an exceeding hurry with a ah my dear sir how do you do how delighted i am to see you and your incomparable daughter oh there she is pardon me dear sir you see my attraction lucy indeed who never forgot any one except herself occasionally sought her father's retreat as often as she was able but her engagements were so incessant that she no sooner lost one partner than she was claimed and carried off by another however the squire bore his solitude with tolerable cheerfulness and always declared that he was very well amused although balls and concerts were necessarily a little dull to one who came from a fine old place like warlock manor-house and it was not the same thing that pleased young ladies 
for to them that fiddling and giggling till two o'clock in the morning might be a very pretty way of killing time and their papas what considerably added to lucy's celebrity was the marked notice and admiration of a man so high in rank and ton as lord malevera that personage who still retained much of a youthful mind and temper and who was in his nature more careless than haughty preserved little or no state in his intercourse with the social revellers at bath he cared not whither he went so that he was in the train of the young beauty and the most fastidious nobleman of the english court was seen in every second and third-rate set of a great watering-place the attendant the flirt and often the ridicule of the daughter of an obscure and almost insignificant country squire despite the honour of so distinguished a lover and despite all the novelties of her situation the pretty head of lucy brandon was as yet however perfectly unturned and as for her heart the only impression that it had ever received was made by that wandering guest of the village rector whom she had never again seen but who yet clung to her imagination invested not only with all the graces which in right of a singularly handsome person he possessed but with those to which he never could advance a claim more dangerous to her peace for the very circumstance of their origin in her fancy not his merits they had now been some little time at bath and brandon's brief respite was pretty nearly expired when a public ball of uncommon and manifold attraction was announced it was to be graced not only by the presence of all the surrounding families but also by that of royalty itself it being an acknowledged fact that people dance much better and eat much more supper when any relation to a king is present i must stay for this ball lucy said brandon who after spending the day with lord malevera returned home in a mood more than usually cheerful i must stay for this one ball lucy and witness your complete triumph even though it will be necessary to leave you the very next morning so soon cried lucy so soon echoed the uncle with a smile how good you are to speak thus to an old valetudinarian whose company must have fatigued you to death nay no pretty denials but the great object of my visit to this place is accomplished i have seen you i have witnessed your debut in the great world with i may say more than a father's exultation and i go back to my dry pursuits with the satisfaction of thinking our old and withered genealogical tree has put forth one blossom worthy of its freshest day uncle said lucy reprovingly and holding up her taper finger with an arch smile mingling with a blush in which the woman's vanity spoke unknown to herself and why that look lucy said brandon because because well no matter you have been bred to that trade in which as you say yourself men tell untruths for others till they lose all truth for themselves but let us talk of you not me are you really well enough to leave us simple and even cool as the words of lucy's question when written up here in her mouth they took so tender so anxious a tone that brandon who had no friend nor wife nor child nor any one in his household in whom interest in his health or welfare was a thing of course and who was consequently wholly unaccustomed to the accent of kindness felt himself of a sudden touched and stricken 
why indeed lucy said he in a less artificial voice than that in which he usually spoke i should like still to profit by your cares and forget my infirmities and pains in your society but i cannot the tide of events like that of nature waits not our pleasure but we may take our own time for setting sail said lucy ay this comes of talking in metaphor rejoined brandon smiling they who begin it always get the worst of it in plain words dear lucy i can give no more time to my own ailments a lawyer cannot play truant in term time without losing a few guineas said lucy interrupting him worse than that his practice and his name better those than health and peace of mind out on you no said brandon quickly and almost fiercely we waste all the greenness and pith of our life in striving to gain a distinguished slavery and when it is gained we must not think that an humble independence would have been better if we ever admit that thought what fools what lavish fools we have been no continued brandon after a momentary pause and in a tone milder and gayer though not less characteristic of a man's stubbornness of will after losing all youth's enjoyments and manhood's leisure in order that in age the mind the all-conquering mind should break its way at last into the applauding opinions of men i should be an effeminate idler indeed did i suffer so long as its jarring parts hold together or so long as i have the power to command its members this weak body to frustrate the labour of its better and nobler portion and command that which it is ordained to serve lucy knew not while she listened half in fear half in admiration to her singular relation that at the very moment he thus spoke his disease was preying upon him in one of its most relentless moods without the power of wringing from him a single outward token of his torture but she wanted nothing to increase her pity and affection for a man who in consequence perhaps of his ordinary surface of worldly and cold properties of temperament never failed to leave an indelible impression on all who had ever seen that temperament broken through by deeper though often by more evil feelings shall you go to lady what's-her-name's route asked brandon easily sliding back into common topics lord malevra requested me to ask you that depends on you and my father if on me i answer yes said brandon i like hearing malevra especially among persons who do not understand him there is a refined and subtle sarcasm running through the commonplaces of his conversation which cuts the good fools like the invisible sword in the fable that lopped off heads without occasioning the owners any other sensation than a pleasing and self-complacent titillation how immeasurably superior he is in manner and address to all we meet here does it not strike you yes no i can't say that it does exactly rejoined lucy is that confusion tender thought brandon in a word continued lucy lord malevra is one whom i think pleasing without fascination and amusing without brilliancy he is evidently accomplished in mind and graceful in manner and withal the most uninteresting person i ever met women have not often thought so said brandon i cannot believe that they can think otherwise a certain expression partaking of scorn played over brandon's hard features 
it was a noticeable trait in him that while he was most anxious to impress lucy with a favourable opinion of lord malevolor he was never quite able to mask a certain satisfaction at any jest at the earl's expense or any opinion derogatory to his general character for pleasing the opposite sex and this satisfaction was no sooner conceived than it was immediately combated by the vexation he felt that lucy did not seem to share his own desire that she should become the wife of the courtier there appeared as if in that respect there was a contest in his mind between interest on one hand and private dislike or contempt on the other you judge women wrongly said brandon ladies never know each other of all persons malever is best calculated to win them and experience has proved my assertion the proudest lot i know for a woman would be the thorough conquest of lord malever but it is impossible he may be gallant but he will never be subdued he defies the whole female world and with justice and impunity enough of him sing to me dear lucy the time for the ball approached and lucy who was a charming girl and had nothing of the angel about her was sufficiently fond of gaiety dancing music and admiration to feel her heart beat high at the expectation of the event at last the day itself came brandon dined alone with malevolor having made the arrangement that he with the earl was to join his brother and niece at the ball malevolor who hated state except on great occasions when no man displayed it with a better grace never suffered his servants to wait at dinner when he was alone or with one of his peculiar friends the attendants remained without and were summoned at will by a bell laid beside the host the conversation was unrestrained i am perfectly certain brandon said malevolor that if you were to live tolerably well you would soon get the better of your nervous complaints it is all poverty of blood believe me some more of the fins eh no oh hang your abstemiousness it is darned unfriendly to eat so little talking of fins and friends heaven defend me from ever again forming an intimacy with a pedantic epicure especially if he puns why what has a pedant to do with fins i will tell you ah this madeira i suggested to lord Dareville who affects the gourmand what a capital thing a dish all fins turbot's fins might be made capital said he in a rapture dine on it with me to-morrow volontiers said i the next day after indulging in a pleasing reverie all the morning as to the manner in which derville's cook who is not without genius would accomplish the grand idea i betook myself punctually to my engagement would you believe it when the cover was removed the sacrilegious dog of an amphitryon had put into the dish uh, cicero's de finibus there is a work all fin said he atrocious jest exclaimed brandon solemnly was it not whenever the gastronomists set up a religious inquisition i trust they will roast every impious rascal who treats the divine mystery with levity pun upon cooking indeed apropos of derville he is to come into the administration you astonish me said brandon i never heard that i don't know him he has very little power has he any talent yes a very great one acquired though what is it a pretty wife my lord exclaimed brandon abruptly and half rising from his seat malevra looked up hastily 
and on seeing the expression of his companion's face coloured deeply there was a silence for some moments tell me said brandon indifferently helping himself to vegetables for he seldom touched meat and a more amusing contrast can scarcely be conceived than that between the earnest epicurism of malevra and the careless contempt of the sublime art manifested by his guest tell me you who necessarily know everything whether the government really is settled whether you are to have the garter and i mark the difference the judgeship why so i imagine it will be arranged namely if you will consent to hang up the rogues instead of living by the fools one may unite both returned brandon but i believe in general it is vice versa for we live by the rogues and it is only the fools we are able to hang up you ask me if i will take the judgeship i would not no i would rather cut my hand off and the lawyer spoke with great bitterness forsake my present career despite all the obstacles that now encumber it did i think that this miserable body would suffer me for two years longer to pursue it you shock me said malevra a little affected but nevertheless applying the cayenne to his cucumber with his usual unerring nicety of tact you shock me but you are considerably better than you were it is not continued brandon who was rather speaking to himself than to his friend it is not that i am unable to conquer the pain and to master the recreant nerves but i feel myself growing weaker and weaker beneath the continual exertion of my remaining powers and i shall die before i have gained half my objects if i do not leave the labours which are literally tearing me to pieces but said lord malevra who was the idlest of men the judgeship is not an easy sinecure no but there is less demand on the mind in that station than in my present one and brandon paused before he continued candidly malevra you do not think they will deceive me you do not think they mean to lead me to this political death without writing we sir jam over the hatchment they dare not said malevra quaffing his fourth glass of madeira well i have decided on my change of life said the lawyer with a slight sigh so have i on my change of opinion chimed in the earl i will tell you what opinions seem to me like what said brandon abstractedly trees answered malevra quaintly if they can be made serviceable by standing don't part with a stick but when they are of that growth that sells well or whenever they shut out a fine prospect cut them down and pack them off by all manner of means and now for the second course i wonder said the earl when our political worthies were again alone whether there ever existed a minister who cared three straws for the people many care for their party but as for the country it is all fiddlestick added the lawyer with more significance than grace right it is all fiddlestick as you tersely express it king constitution and church for ever which being interpreted means first king or crown influence judgeships and garters secondly constitution or fees to the lawyer places to the statesman laws for the rich and game laws for the poor thirdly church or livings for our younger sons and starvings for their curates ha ha said brandon laughing sardonically we know human nature and how it may be gold quoth the courtier here's a health to your niece and may it not be long before you hail her as your friend's bride bride etc said brandon with a sneer 
meant only for his own satisfaction but mark me my dear lord do not be too sure of her she is a singular girl and of more independence than the generality of women she will not think of your rank and station in estimating you she will think only of their owner and pardon me if i suggest to you who know the sex so well one plan that it may not be unadvisable for you to pursue don't let her fancy you entirely hers rouse her jealousy pique her pride let her think you unconquerable and unless she is unlike all women she will want to conquer you the earl smiled i must take my chance said he with a confident tone the hoary coxcomb muttered brandon between his teeth now will his folly spoil all and that reminds me continued malevra that time wanes and dinner is not over let us not hurry but let us be silent to enjoy the more these truffles in champagne do taste them they would raise the dead the lawyer smiled and accepted the kindness though he left the delicacy untouched the malevra whose soul was in his plate saw not the heartless rejection meanwhile the youthful beauty had already entered the theatre of pleasure and was now seated with the squire at the upper end of the half-filled ball-room a gay lady of the fashion at that time and of that half and half rank to which belonged the aristocracy of bath one of those curious persons we meet with in the admirable novels of miss burney as appertaining to the order of fine ladies made the trio with our heiress and her father and pointed out to them by name the various characters that entered the apartments she was still in the full tide of scandal when an unusual sensation was visible in the environs of the door three strangers of marked mien gay dress and an air which though differing in each was in all alike remarkable for a sort of dashing assurance made their entree one was of uncommon height and possessed of an exceedingly fine head of hair another was of a more quiet and unpretending aspect but nevertheless he wore upon his face a supercilious yet not ill-humoured expression the third was many years younger than his companions strikingly handsome in face and figure altogether of a better taste in dress and possessing a manner that though it had equal ease was not equally noticeable for impudence and swagger who can those be said lucy's female friend in a wondering tone i never saw them before they must be great people they have all the airs of persons of quality dear how odd that i should not know them while the good lady who like all good ladies of that stamp thought people of quality had airs was thus lamenting her ignorance of the newcomers a general whisper of a similar import was already circulating round the room who are they and the universal answer was can't tell never saw them before our strangers seemed by no means displeased with the evident and immediate impression they had made they stood in the most conspicuous part of the room enjoying among themselves a low conversation frequently broken by fits of laughter tokens we need not add of their supereminently good breeding the handsome figure of the youngest stranger and the simple and seemingly unconscious grace of his attitudes were not however unworthy of the admiration he excited and even his laughter rude as it really was displayed it so dazzling a set of teeth and was accompanied by such brilliant eyes that before he had been ten minutes in the room there was scarcely a young lady under thirty-nine not disposed to fall in love with him End of chapter fifteen part one